What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Yankees podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm an author of Baseball Prospectus, a defender of A-Rod, and a fan of the Yankees basically since birth. Today's episode is number 100. Now, we usually don't list or say the numbers, but this is a nice milestone to reach, and we have good things to talk about today. We'll be talking about Tuesday's game against the Rays, and we'll look at J.A. Happ's performance. We'll discuss the possibility of a Yankees-Astros matchup in the wildcard game, and who will probably pitch that game. We'll talk about how Austin Romine's been doing while Gary Sanchez has been out with an injury, and we'll talk about Sanchez coming back because it seems that he's close to coming back. They say he could be starting his rehab assignment by the end of next week. So the Yankees rebounded nicely from their not-so-stellar game against the Mets on Monday and beat the Rays 4-1. A big reason for the win was J.A. Happ. He went seven innings, he gave up one hit, didn't surrender a run, he walked four and struck out four. Now the walks were teens troublesome, but he worked out of trouble every time, which was nice to see because some of the Yankee starters don't have that ability. We'll get into that later. On the offensive side of the game, the Yankees scored in the first inning, which was great. Aaron Hicks hit an RBI single, gave them a one-run lead. The one negative about the bottom of the first was the fact that they left the bases loaded after Glaber Torres ground out. And Hunter Wood was the opener for the Rays, And he was replaced in the bottom of the second by Jalen Beeks. Beeks came out and set down the Yankees in order in the bottom of the second, the bottom of the third, and the bottom of the fourth. And at one point, he struck out six Yankees in a row. Now, I was a little pissy watching the game because it was frustrating seeing all these guys go to the the plate and strike out against this guy. Like, who is this guy? So I had tweeted, this is embarrassing. And that's all I said. So someone asked what happened, because, you know, not everyone knows what I'm talking about when I tweet random things. And I, all I answered was the Yankee game. Didn't get into it. So he answered back, they're leading one nothing. It's not like they're losing 22-3. What do you have to complain about? Okay, first of all, I don't like when people talk to me like that on Twitter anyway. But second of all, don't tell me how to react to a game just because they're leading one nothing. They should have been leading at least 3 nothing at that point. And it was just frustrating watching all these guys go up against this person who I didn't even know existed. And, you know, they were flailing at balls out of the zone and just they looked horrible. So Beaks finished with eight strikeouts total, and he was in the game for five innings, but thankfully, the Yankees' strikeout streak ended when Neil Walker drew a walk to start off the fifth, and Austin Romine drove him home with a home run to right. Again, we'll talk about Romine in depth later in the game. In the bottom of the sixth, Miguel Andujar, who has leapfrogged over Labor Torres in the Rookie of the Year discussions, he hit another double. It was 
double number 32 of his season. But unfortunately, after he was moved to third, he was thrown out at home because Torres hit the ball to the worst place that he could at that moment, right to Matt Duffy at third. And Andrew Harv was going on contact, so he was easily nailed at the plate. So that was another frustrating incident. But at that point, the Yankees were leading 3 nothing, so it was a little less irritating than the first inning not scoring incident, but, you know, still slightly annoying. So Dallin Batanzas came in to pitch the top of the eighth, and I'm giggling because John Flaherty was doing the game with Michael Kay last night. And he was saying how Patances had straightened himself out after not having a great... There was a period there where Patances looked pretty bad. No sooner did Flaherty finish that sentence, Patances gave up a home run to Willie Adamas. Adames? Adames. Sorry. <laughs> now, I know people don't believe in jinxes. They think they're silly. And, you know, to a degree, I think they are too. But there is something about the phenomenon of a broadcaster saying something nice about a guy and then something bad happening. It happens in every sport. You know, basketball, someone will say, oh, so-and-so hasn't missed a free throw in 59 attempts. And then a second later, the guy misses a free throw. Or in football, they'll say, oh, this kicker hasn't missed a field goal in three weeks. And then either he'll hit the upright, it won't go in, or he'll completely miss the upright and not get the field goal. You know what I'm saying? So it was just funny that the timing of that home run was right after he was being complimented. But he got himself out of the inning. He, you know, he settled down. He got Michael Perez swinging. He induced a Malik Smith flyout, and he got Matt Duffy to ground out to end the inning. Now, about that Perez strikeout, Batances has gone 29 straight relief appearances with a whiff, at least a whiff in each of them. And he has at least one strikeout in 47 of his 49 appearances. So that 29th straight relief appearance with at least one batter whiffing set a new franchise record. He overtook Andrew Miller, who did it in 28 games in 2015. So 15 or 16. I'll have to check that. And let's see. Oh, the bottom of the eighth. Andujar, the hero again. He hit his 33rd double of the season. And he was lifted for Shane Robinson as a pinch hitter. And Robinson was brought home by a Greg Bird double. And that gave the Yankees a somewhat cushy three-run lead. And Chapman came in. And I feel bad about this, but ever since his performance in Boston, I kind of cringe whenever Chapman comes in because I'm, you don't really know what you're getting with him lately. But he worked around a single and he struck out one and picked up his 31st save of the year and the Yankees won. So that was good. So back to J.A. Happ. He threw 106 pitches last night. 
and it breaks down like this. 61 four-seamers, 22 seamers, 19 sliders, and six change-ups. He got four swinging strikes with both his four-seamer and two-seamer, and he got at least one called strike on every pitch that he threw, um, every pitch type, I should say. Um, leading the way was his four-seamer with nine called strikes. And the last pitch of his night was to Kevin Kiermeyer. And it was a four-seamer on a 2-2 count, and Kiermeyer swung right through it for the third out. And Hap left the game on a positive note. Now, since joining the Yankees, Hap is 3-0. and uh, He's lowered his ERA to 3.6 on the season. And he's lasted at least six innings in all three of his starts. So he's performed as well as the Yankees had hoped he perform when they traded for him. And I saw someone joke on Twitter that J.A. Happ and Lance Lynn are the Sean Chacon and uh, Aaron Small of the 2005 season. Like they're performing the same way those guys did. That would be cool, actually, because Aaron Small, I think he went 10, 10 and 0. He was really good out of nowhere for that team. So let's just jump right into this next thing, okay? Because the AL West race is getting really exciting. You know, first there was the AL wild, uh, the West, the wild card, sorry, the wild card that was getting um, crazy for the second one because the A's and the Mariners were fighting for it. But now, because Houston has not been doing well lately, the A's are only one game behind them for the division lead. Now, no one expected this from the A's. I don't care who you are. No one did. And they've just been playing out of their minds lately, which is a, an Oakland A's thing to do. As for the Astros, they've been hit by injuries, to be fair. And they've been big injuries. You know, George Springer's out, Jose Altuve's out, Brian McCann's out, and Lance McCullers Jr.'s out. And they've gone 11 and 14 in their last 25 games. And even worse, they're riding a nine game losing streak at home. So that's a big problem. You know, you would want your team to do well at home and they're not, they got swept by Seattle over the weekend in four games at home. So, as it stands, if the A's continue the surge and the Astros can't recover from the injuries and like the guys come back and they're not as good as they were before their injuries, you know, a number of things could happen. We could be looking at a Yankees-Astros rematch in the wildcard game, which is slightly frightening when you think about it. When you think about three years ago, how they shut the Yankees out in the wildcard game in Yankee Stadium, that was a horrible game. And when you think about the ALCS, how the Yankees couldn't buy a hit in Minimum Aid Park. And I would think that if it does finish this way, where the Astros and the Yankees are the wild cards, let's hope that the Yankees are the ones winning the first wild card. So at least they'll get to play at home. And you know who the Astros will be throwing against the Yankees. There's no doubt that it's going to be Justin Verlander. 
And while he may not be pitching like he was in the beginning of the year, when he was just unconscious and pitching the best that he's ever pitched in his career at 35 years old, there's nothing fishy about that. (laughs) His K per nine this season is a career high 11.7. And listen to this scary start. Uh, stat start. He's made eight starts since the beginning of July, and he struck out at least 10 batters in five of them. His high was 14 strikeouts against the Dodgers on August 3rd. Guess when the other time was when he struck out 14 batters? You guessed it. It was against the Yankees on May 1st. Now, luckily, the Yankees ended up winning that game because of Sanchez's three-run home run against Ken Giles, who punched himself in the face after he was taken out, and who is now a Toronto Blue Jay. So, even facing Verlander, even if the Yankees don't do great, (laughs) if they can get him out of the game in the seventh inning, they could have a chance of winning. But it's still frightening, the idea of facing Verlander in a do-or-die game. Even with the Yankees going 5-2 and two against Houston this year, it's still scary. And I would much rather have the Twins in the wildcard game. <laughs> Can the Twins go on some sort of run and somehow win the second wildcard? Is that possible? It's not possible. But like I said, Houston's going through something right now. And, you know, I think the biggest loss for them has to be Altuve. You know, he sets the table, he's the spark plug. And without him, it's just not, it's not good for the Astros. So as I mentioned earlier, Austin Romine hit a home run last night. And this is a worthy subject because it was his eighth of the season, which is a new career high. His previous career high was four back in 2016, where he hit those four in 62 games. This year, he has hit his eight home runs in 58 games so far. And even more astounding He had seven combined for his career coming into this season. That's amazing. I guess he just wants to make the most out of his opportunity while Sanchez is out and while Sanchez is not doing well. But what's even more amusing, in a way, is that Romine should have 10 home runs. Brett Phillips robbed him on July 29th. And Joey Gallo robbed him this past weekend. They, I mean, they both took away sure home runs from poor Romine. So could you imagine? He would have double-digit home runs for the first time in his career. And I think he could probably get there. And, you know, last night he hit his home run well out of the reach of Carlos Gomez. And it just, like, kind of snaked around the uh, foul pole and right. And... It gave the Yankees the three nothing lead, so it was it made the game a little more bearable. And as for his counterpart, Gary Sanchez, he seems to be on the mend 
Aaron Boone told reporters that it's possible that Sanchez could play in rehab games starting next week, more than likely towards the end of next week. But Sanchez has had a tough season, even without the injuries. Before he hit the DL, he was batting 188 with a 283 on base percentage. Now he has 14 home runs, but he also had long breaks between home runs. He went from May 20th through June 14th without hitting a home run. And before he got injured initially in late June, his last home run was June 20th, his 14th. Now he's been on the shelf since July 24th after he attempted to come back and only lasted three games. Both Romine and Kyle Higashioka have done a nice job during his absence. And even Sanchez himself acknowledged that fact. He actually said to reporters last night that they've done an amazing job. He said, to me, there's no weakness back there. These guys are great. So anyone who wants to try and start some sort of, I don't know, trouble between all the catchers, just don't even bother. And I know that Ken Davidoff wrote a piece about whether or not Sanchez should be the starting catcher. Should he be the catcher in the playoffs? And as well as Romine has been doing, and has as bad as Sanchez was doing before his injury, Gary Sanchez is still the better player. Now, I know defensively he has issues, but he throws out more base runners. And it seems that Luis Severino works a little better with Sanchez, even though the last game that Sanchez played when he was injured, Severino didn't do a great job. But overall, it seems as if Severino would be doing better with Sanchez behind the plate. Tonight, Wednesday night, the Yankees are (laughs) putting Luis Sessa on the mound to face the Rays, which should be a lot of fun. I'm just kidding. It's not going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people really want Justice Sheffield to come up, and I'm assuming he will in September, so he will come up at some point because he's just killing it. He's doing so well that people are like, he has to come up now. It's kind of like last year when everyone wanted Glaber to come up and he didn't. You know, I guess putting Sessa in is fine, but I'd, uh, God, I don't know. The good thing is the other guys in the bullpen are rested. So if Sessa doesn't do well, you got Green, You got Robertson. You got Holder. I don't want to see A.J. Cole ever again (laughs) after his performance against the Mets. He can stay in the bullpen. He could stay on the bench back there and just sit and watch everyone else warm up. I don't want him in tonight's game. If he is in tonight's game, it's probably a big blowout. Because I don't think Boone... No, you know what? Boone would probably put him in the game if it was close, just so everyone's heads would explode. (laughs) I don't think Boone does this stuff on purpose, but 
he always seems to do something to get people mad at him, even in a win. Like, he can't win. No matter what he does, people will get mad at him. It's kind of funny. And kind of not funny. <laughs> it's his first year. There, you, you knew there'd be growing pains at some point. And they have the second best record in the league. And, you know, as ridiculous as it is to complain about them not scoring in the first inning and striking out six in a row, I mean, I know it is slightly ridiculous. They're doing really well. And in a regular season where the Red Sox weren't playing insanely good, the Yankees would possibly be leading the AL East. I saw a tweet earlier that said how many games the Yankees would be leading all the other divisions. And they'd be up in the AL West by seven. So anyway, Sessa tonight. We'll see how that goes. And we'll see if it'll give me something to talk about in episode 101. As always, you can tweet Lockdown Yankees at Lockdown Yankees, or you can tweet me at Stace Gotts, S-T-A-C-E-G-O-T-S. If you have anything to say, anything to ask, thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Yankees podcast.